This podcast was first broadcast on Fresh FM, the top of the South community access radio station. For more information on Fresh FM, as well as links to other great local podcasts, go on our website freshfm.net or download the accessmedia.nz app.
That was Killing Joke and Change from 1980. This is Totally Wild on Fresh FM, uh, and we're in 1980. Mm-hmm. How are you, Jack? I'm okay. Good, good. Uh, we did a whole show on Killing Joke, I'm sure, like a, a few years ago, I think. Must have been. I, I can believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, Killing Joke were a band um, uh, from 1980 that uh, were n- notorious, um, uh, especially for their album, album art. Uh, one uh, album art that they had for a single war dance had uh, Fred Astaire, who was a, I believe, a Hollywood, Hollywood entertainer. Fred Astaire, yes. From like the 30s. Yeah, like a ballroom dancing type guy. Mm. Yes. Yeah, with that nice sort of pinstripe suit yes. and uh, a nice tap dance. Big hat on, yeah, yeah. tap dancing, yeah. They, they had an album out, um, art of um, him dancing in a war field. Yes. With strewn, you know, you know. Bodies. Well, not bodies, but, um, you know, destroyed. Yeah. Yes, uh, you know, city. Yes, in the background, and then um, for a compilation album, they had uh, for laugh. I nearly bought one. Uh, they had a German abbot called Alban uh, um or oh, Schachleiter, um, walking among rows of Nazis, giving salutes and appearing to return a salute as he walked by. Yes, well, um, so controversial. Yes, they're a provocateur band I guess yeah yeah you could yeah. see them as um, for one album they did uh, called Pandemonium this was in the future um, they recorded three days inside the king's chamber of the pyramid of Giza right yeah uh, of course the recording process went terribly wrong yes they um, uh, their batteries would only last for 10 minutes and they'd die for the amps <laughs> uh, three Egyptologists happened to observe the recordings they went to the recordings dressed as Egyptian goddesses and one of the engineers ran out screaming at one point just to so who was dressed as Egyptian goddesses uh, Egyptologists who Egyptologists, actually helped right. them out and yes. um uh, one engineer <laughs> ran out screaming to find uh, 300, 500 tribal drummers outside of the uh, pyramids yeah uh, and it turns out I think they were recording for a Hollywood set Oh, I see. For a Hollywood film, yeah. Right, and and um, and they got, and, and they were able to do all of this because they bribed the minister of antiquities for Egypt, eight thousand US dollars. Like you do, yeah. If you can, <laughs> yes. So what what you don't know, Jack, is 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 a member of the Killing Joke is now resident in this country or has has been in this country a bit sometimes. Uh, oh, okay. Yes, oh. and 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 conducts the New Zealand Philharmonic Orchestra. Uh, okay. <laughs> What? Or has done? Not, not. You know, they, I don't. They probably have a resident conductor. Oh, okay. But he has conducted the, the, you know, classical oh. orchestras of New Zealand. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Which, uh, which, which, which member is that? That's the thing. Uh, you know, my, you, Can't quite remember. you know my memory, Jack. You know, my uh, memory's kind of a bit shaky. Okay. On, uh, on I provided all this information, <laughs> and this is. <laughs> can't even follow up for one <laughs> i can't i can't I, I know i know it's true but i can't remember the name of the person okay i'm sorry it's just how it is mm-hmm. when you get when you get to my age and you've got s- so much information in your brain it's just like a like a bucket you know oh okay that's you why older people end up forgetting things because they've just learned so much over their lives they're full of wisdom and well, there's a little bit of sarcasm. Can't keep on bit keep of sarcasm in your voice there, Jack. Can't keep on holding up the wisdom. Sarcasm is not becoming. It's like a you know, bucket when you fill it with water, it just kind of overflows because it can't. You can only fit so much in it. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. now, I'm not saying my brain's full of amazing things, but it's it's there's some useless information in there, like who the person who's conducted the uh, jazz jazz Coleman is his name. How about that? Jazz Coleman. Is that right? Okay. Am I right? Um. Yeah. I, I wouldn't know, but <laughs> I'll presume you're right. Jazz Coleman. We'll have to look it up on the um, 
information superhighway in a minute mm-hmm. whilst the next one's playing. Uh, thank you, Jack, for that. This is uh, Dex's Midnight Runners. Gino from uh, Dexter's Midnight Runners uh, from the album Searching for the Young Soul Rebels. I'm going to tell you about Jazz Coleman. Mm-hmm. Is that all right? From Killing Joke. Uh, so in 1982, uh, he he quit Killing Joke after a gig and went to Iceland and said, I'm going to become a classical composer. Uh, okay. And then over the next 10 years, working with Killing Joke at the same time as studying um, classical music, he um, became uh, a composer. And conductor Klaus Tenstedt described him as a new Mahler. 
Uh, okay. Not the new Mahler, but a new Mahler, which is interesting. And oh. he subsequently worked with the Prague Symphony Orchestra and the New Zealand Philharmonic and the Auckland Symphony Orchestra. Okay. Making CDs. So anyway. Wow. Okay. It's bizarre, isn't it? Uh, that, that's a very odd story. You see, a, you see a picture of him. He's like a. He looks. Uh, quite, quite. He doesn't fit the image of a conductor, right? Well, not if you see him in his killing joke days, because he's, you know, looking like he's on drugs or something. Oh, okay, right, yes. <laughs> um, uh, if, he, if, he, if he's never taken drugs, then I apologise. I mm. don't want to get sued. He probably did. Well, I don't know. The, they, uh, members of the killing joke said they went specifically to a certain part of London just to um, get cheap drugs. Right, okay. Yeah. That's all right then. Uh, so Dexy's Midnight Runners were um, a band from the north and uh, they derived their name from dexedrine, which was used as a drug to keep northern soul dancers dancing all night um, to the disco of old soul records. Mm. And um, their debut album was called Searching for This Young Soul Rebels. Um, it had a Belfast Catholic boy at the front of the album art carrying his belongings to a new home during the Troubles. And mm. uh, the front man said uh, he was really proud of that art because it was it came from Ireland and they wanted a... Mm picture of you know human you know suffering or troubles or you know yeah disturbance and as he i think he was part irish so he was a bit proud of that yeah he was yeah. he was able to get a picture of that yeah 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 hmm. it's a good image uh it's a good picture isn't it yeah I yeah. Like it. yeah and another interesting thing about the made up runners is that they've had more members than they've uh been active in years 52 members over 43 years yes they, they did split up a lot and in fact at one point they became two different groups uh, oh really? Yeah, one. I think one just became. Well, they, they became the bureau or something, and then Dexys remained Dexys, and they all kind of just okay. have, have split up. Why would I ever want to what, listen to the bureau over Dexys? Oh, they like they're not a bad band actually. But, oh, they're um, not bad. Yeah. Okay. But they all kind of split up, and the only person's the the, the main singer who's remained the same, I think. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Thank you, Jack. Uh, anything about Elvis Costello? Um, apparently, he once called himself the. Uh, rock and Roll's Scrabble Champion. Rock and Roll's Scrabble Champion. Yes. Let's see why.
technology obviously Costello and High Fidelity so why was he the Scrabble rock and, ro- rock and roll Scrabble something what was it because of his wordplay his use of ah. words and language yes yes hmm. I'm good at Scrabble hmm. yeah you are yeah anyway I don't know I don't know <laughs> it doesn't make any difference to anything really does it he said he was good at Scrabble or, or just the Scrabble of rock and roll because rock and roll Scrabble champion he's probably not very good at Scrabble he just used a lot of good words didn't he well, I mean, if you know lyrics. a lot of good words, then you'll beat any of the punks that were popular around that yeah, day. that's right. They were just... yeah. Oh, he were. would have absolutely destroyed them at Scrabble. Yeah, yeah. I think Johnny Rotten was quite good with words. Yeah, yeah I could see that. Yeah. Because he went on to form Public Image Limited. Yeah, he just had, had a good use of words. Yeah, maybe he could uh, get a few games up on Costello. They, sh- they probably should have had a game. Although Scrabble's not very punk, is it? <laughs> Well, I mean, when, well, let's have a game when you've, when you've come to the end of punk like Johnny Rotten did, I think he would be, perhaps, if the mood caught him right, he would take a Scrabble game against Elvis Costello. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Just, things like Scrabble and chess aren't rock and roll, are they? Let's face it. They're not. They're when not, you've seen everything, surely not. you just don't care anymore. And you just think, well, rock and roll and punk have just become a self-parody of themselves. Yeah, and so let's have a game of chess. Yeah, sure. Fair enough. Mm. Yeah. Okay, uh, so Diana Ross made a bit of a comeback in 1980. Yeah, she teamed, she teamed up with um, Nile Rodgers and Bernie, someone. Bernie mm, Edwards, yeah. is it Bernie from, from Chic? Yeah, is that his name? Uh, Bernie Edwards, my, I think my so. Memory's terrible, that does it? sound like right. right. I know it's Nile Rodgers. The people from Chic, anyway. Yeah, yeah, uh, and made a couple of very nice singles and a nice album. Mm, yeah, she had. Um, so after the si- 60s, she was with the Supremes. Yeah, uh, broke up, went on for her own solo career. And she got a few, you know, first. She became the first African-American woman to co-host the Academy Awards, first entertainer in Japan's history to receive a private audience with the royal family. And, um, but then she had a flimsy career, film career in like the late 70s and mid 70s, where she tried film projects and didn't really succeed. But then... She's good in the early 70s. She did a film about the, the Billie Holiday story, I think. But okay. then, then she did something called The Wiz, which is like a Wizard of Oz thing. Yeah. Which apparently was awful. I don't remember seeing it. Yeah, apparently it received less than its um, you know, budget. Yes. And yes. it got panned. Yeah. But um, then she met up with, you know, what now, Rogers and Bernie Edwards. Yes. And did... Um, you nearly said Bernie le- Sanders, didn't you? No, Bernie... S- you nearly said Bernie Sanders. I did. Oops, he was, he was chic. He wasn't in Chic now. <laughs> he was. He was. I think he was re- running the um, town of Bullington, Vermont back yes, then. Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, Diana would go on to record her most successful album, just called Di- Diana. Yeah. 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 And in, and, and in fourteen years' time, she's going to open the World Cup in the, the USA <laughs> with with this penalty ah. shot with this enormous ball that's like the size yep. of like it's about five foot wide and it's inflated. Uh-huh. And all she has to do is kick it forwards, and she manages to miss. You really remember that moment when you saw it live, didn't you? It was great. Because then the goal is supposed to fall down and then everyone goes, and the World Cup has finally happened. Mm. And she misses, but the goal still falls down. Someone must pull a string or something. Yeah. Um, It was was good. You should watch it. It's it's fantastic. And she doesn't even notice what she's done, probably. She thinks she's probably scored or something. Um, Yeah, it's very funny. Uh Anyway, anyway, she she made a song called I'm Coming Out, which was kind of like, uh, uh, obviously, a gay anthem thing and I never quite oh, know yeah. whether it was applied to her or it was just like a kind of uh, a song for uh, you know I'm coming out I want the world to know it goes like that yeah okay. and it was really good but I'm not going to play that one okay. I'm going to play the other one upside down I said upside down you're turning me you're giving up 
Diana Ross and Upside Down from them Diana as Jack was saying earlier uh, next band's Echo and the Bunny Men you, mm-hmm. don't, you don't have anything to say about them do you really uh, no uh, you did, did just, just tell me that um, they named the, the uh, word Echo in their name uh, was the name of the drum machine they had yes and uh, when, yeah. they, when they first started out Mm. So it's Echo and, then, and the Bunny Men. Yep. So you know they were prepped up with that, you know, name that meant something, and then yes. they got a drummer. That's right. <laughs> didn't, didn't bother to change the name at all. <laughs> yeah. Quite a strange name, Echo and the Bunny Men. Yes. Never really. I don't really understand 
what it means but uh, mm. they're a very good band uh, this is Rescue
That's UB40 and King from 1980. Uh, as I was saying earlier, a band that made a couple of good songs, and that was it, in my opinion. And that was I mean, it? That was my, my, my cruel and callous opinion. Hmm. Um, you know, that was a really good single when it came out. It had a good B-side as well, and that was it. Yeah. And then it was all downhill in my eyes. But Okay, I but, see. But, you know, I'm, I'm not a... I'm a well it's good that those i guess albums and singles happened um <laughs> ub40 uh they're a very big a, band there's a their reference uh their name is just uh, a reference to the unemployment benefit card yes and the card spells out i think unemployment benefit form 40 yes yep um every band member was un- unemployed and that's yeah, why they went yeah. with the name yeah yeah, yeah. They're, they're on tv just now before we left oh okay like in as they are now in their 60s i guess oh, okay or 50s i don't know um yeah uh, some of them of course did previous jobs but then ended up unemployed and uh the first album they had ever recorded was recorded in a bedsit yes yeah i think it was called signing off or something it was rather than signing mean, on which yeah it was uh, meaning that they were trying to sign off the uh the unemployment un- benefit unemployment benefit yeah yeah yeah. I'm sure they managed it in the end because they're probably very rich now. Of course they did. Eight years later, they were playing for Nelson Mandela's 70th birthday. Yeah. There mm. we go. Yeah. Mm. So Nelson Mandela likes them. Um, Presumably. I hope I hope he did. No, I think he probably likes them as a band, maybe. I hope so. It was, it, do you know anything about that concert? No. No, I don't either. I was going to ask if the specials played there because okay. they, they made the song Free Nelson Mandela, but you before he didn't. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Why didn't the specials get invited hmm. to play? And not UB40. That's an excellent both, question. Both, both from Birmingham or the Midlands. Well, yeah. I think the special from Coventry. Okay. Uh, and both kind of scar reggae-ish bands. So the special should have gone there. Yeah. As they That's did help to point. free him, possibly. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> they sang a they, song about they, freeing him. Yeah, they can claim the credit. They probably could. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this, this is a band called Smack. Sticky transatlantic variety, or indeed the hammy continental strain. But rather, the uniquely English charm of old houndstooth jackets, unobtrusive courtesy, and a complete lack of condescension. Thing. 
Anarchy should be a joyous thing. It should take place in the heart and mind and speak to the heart and mind. If social revolution in thought, it should be possible. I think vandalism is poetic because it's an expression of how human hates ugliness. I think human beings are incredibly tolerant. If they really sat down and thought about how they're mistreated, then there really would be a revolution. Smack and Edward Fox. Uh, they're from Manchester. Uh, and another great band from Manchester was, of course, Joy Division. And you're going to tell us a bit about the band Joy Division. Yeah. Uh, we, so played, we played something from 1979 of, of theirs, but um, we they, did. Ca- they came to an end in 1980. Yes, they did. Mm. Um, so they formed in 1976 after seeing the Sex Pistols. Yeah. And um, allegedly they said that they felt that the Sex Pistols destroyed the myth of being a pop star of a musician being some kind of god that you had to worship and they felt that felt that the, f- the fact that the Sex Pistols were just extremely un- unorganised and yeah. human yeah. they felt inspired by that <laughs> and then they went out and formed Joy Division Yes, um, and then they ended up having um, quite a bit of su- success for the four years they were um, a band uh, funnily enough um, well uh, the Yorkshire Ripper was a prominent killer in 1979 and then their touring schedule actually mirrored the killer's movements right so for one point they uh, Morris and uh, uh, and uh, uh, the drummer and the bassist of Joy Division yes uh, were questioned by the police right during that entire thing mm. yeah uh, Morris and Hope that's their names um, but unfortunately in 1980 just as they were about to tour America um, lead singer uh Ian Curtis and frontman um, were struggling with depression, epilepsy, and a failing marriage. And uh, before the tour started, he uh, committed suicide on uh, May the 18th of 1980. Mm. And it devastated the band. And they, uh, they they said to themselves that if any member left, they would um, disband Joy Division. Mm. And, mm. and they did. Yes, they did. And that they will become something else, as we'll find out next week, probably. Mm, they will. Yeah. All right, well, thank you, Jack. We won't deal on that too long, but uh, you could play any track from Joy Division, probably from uh, this period, and it would be just um, excellent, because they didn't make any bad songs, as far as I know. Mm. Uh, and this is uh, from, from the album Closer. It's 24 hours.
Joy Division. This isn't a democracy, Jack. I'll just say that. What's, okay. Whatever's happening in this studio. But you want to play a song, don't you? It's been an uh, autocratic. <laughs> it has been autocratic. Uh, for yeah, the past, you know. Yes. What is it? 16 years? But, um, yeah, it has. Anyway. Something like that. Yeah. Um, 26. <laughs> uh, so in Japan, um, uh, they have had their own sort of type of music that's been popular for about, I think, 20 years after the after World War II. It's called Enka. And Anchor dominates the yeah. Japanese charts. Yeah. But um, then along comes new music, right. which is just um, Japanese music, but it's inspired by pop and rock artists from the West. And one of the, one of the pioneers of new music is called Tatsuro Yamashita. Right. And he releases, he's been releasing albums from, since 1976, but in 1980 he hits um, his first number one album in Japan called Ride on Time. And this is the title attack track, Ride on Time. 
Okay. So this was a number one, like, big hit in Japan. Yep. But nowhere else really, yeah? Oh,
That was a ride on time by Tatsuo Yamashita. Tatsuo Yamashita. Completely unscheduled. I hadn't planned to play that at all. Yeah. Uh, and just because just you wanted to do it. And it's, it's. I mentioned it. I'm not a complete. Immediately. A complete dictator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Clearly. Um, anyway, but we had to cut out a couple of other songs for, to fit that in. But um, do you like that because it's just cause it's Japanese or because no? I mean, because if it was in English, if it was not Japanese, would you like it? Do you think? Yeah, you would. Yeah, the way well, he has other songs that he sings in English, and I think I like I like them just as much. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair Th- they're not in 1980 though. Not in 1980. No. No. Yeah. No. No. Fair enough. Yes. Yes. But it's just like pop music, isn't it? I mean, like, that was like just yeah, just pop music. Um, I think it employs pop music um, a lot better though than or it, it, it employs pop music in a really sort of really high standard that soul music did as well right in my opinion okay okay yeah it's quite clean and crisp wasn't it mm, yeah and that's all I'll say really Nothing okay to say about it. anyway you could do a whole, whole show on Japanese pop music couldn't you yeah, it's a massive thing that, that actually really people know very little about unless you're Japanese or or you like Japanese pop music. I mean, I don't mean yeah. J-pop now. I mean throughout the eighties and nineties and seventies even as well. Uh, yeah, you know, mm. um, yeah. Anyway, well, thank you, Jack, for that. Uh, okay, this uh, the last track then tonight is the Cure uh, and a track called A Forest because mm-hmm. forests are good. Uh, next week we're nineteen eighty one. Are you going to pick a Japanese song for next week, 1981? Probably not. Probably not, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you one song a week, all right? If you want. <laughs> okay. From now on. Sure. Just one. <laughs> no more. <laughs> There's that. I'm so generous. I'm a big heart. <laughs> all right. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. This has been Totally Wired on Fresh FM. We've been in 1980. As I say, next week, 1981. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is The Cure and a Forest. Good night. Yep, good night.
thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this podcast available by funding the Access Media Project. Other great podcasts from Fresh FM are available through the accessmedia.nz app or our website freshfm.net.